could you elaborate on what exactly are the specific changes, like physical, emotional, mental changes in our body and mind when we do go outside? Because I would love to have my doctor prescribe parks as medicine (laughs) all the time. Those who live closest to green space were the least anxious, the least depressed, and had a greater sense of well-being. And they found that those who had the most um, highest scores on a stress scale, life stressor scale, actually did the best when they lived closer to a green space. So we see that the, the individuals or girls who are near greenery and green space are overall have better mental health. And we also, there's a lot of research that's gone into school children um, and behavioral problems. And they find that when there are green schoolyards, when schoolyards have been transformed into more like a park or a nature area, there are far fewer behavioral problems among children. And when they get back, when they've been outside and they go back inside, their behavioral issues decrease and everyone else also does better. You're listening to the voice of Dr. Stacy Stryer, who's a board-certified pediatrician in Maryland. Through her career, she served as a physician and a health promotion and disease prevention coordinator within the Indian Health Service, also as a clinical pediatrician and a pediatric subject expert for an online health website called Revolution Health. Currently, Dr. Stryer is a medical officer within the federal government and a medical consultant with ParksRxAmerica.org, where she educates providers, schools, and park agencies on the benefits of nature and park prescriptions and works with the core team to strategize ways to motivate providers to prescribe nature. Dr. Stryer also works with her local public health system to increase awareness and promote outdoor classroom and green schoolyard. She serves on the Governor Hogan's Task Force for Project Green Classroom. In this episode, you will learn why walking outside at the park, playing outside in green space with your children, and just being outside for 10 minutes or more and taking that nice deep breath of fresh air can help you live longer, protect your eyesight from blindness, and boost your immune system. Dr. Shar will also show us why doctors need to start prescribing parks as medicine instead of those pills to address many of our health conditions and to improve our overall well-being. It is April 2020, and most of the U.S. and the world is under a stay-at-home guideline because of the coronavirus pandemic. We have now reached over a million positive cases worldwide. However, it does look like we are flattening the curve. So we are doing something right by staying at home. So how can we get the benefits of screen space while being inside? Well, here, Dr. Stryer will share the research on prescribing parks as medicine and several helpful tips on reinventing your living space, indoor space, into a green space so you can get the benefits of being with Mother Nature while being inside. Hello, friends. This is the What is Public Health podcast with your host, Dr. Ki Chan. What is public health? To me, public health is the invisible force that keeps you healthy every day, and I bet you didn't even know it. Hello, friends. I'm super excited to have Dr. Stacy Stryer here, who's a pediatrician that went into federal government work and is now working for Parks Rx America. What is Parks Rx America, Dr. Stryer? Park Rx America is a nonprofit organization. It was started about two years ago. Um, And there are many different park programs around the country, some small, some larger. And Robert Zarr, who started Park Rx America, wanted to 
um, have a system around the entire country where there are parks entered into a database and providers could then write prescriptions for both children and adults to go outside into nature and into parks to benefit them both mentally and physically. I really like that idea. I mean, it's basically a public health prevention because we're all about non-pharmaceutical way of improving people's health and well-being. But sometimes, oftentimes, I get some pushback about, well, you know, sometimes drugs are the fast fix to things. So I'm hoping that you can share with us, like, what is the evidence and research that supports prescribing parks and being in nature as medicine? Yeah, and that's, I think that's a really important point. Um, because I think as physicians, we need to provide evidence and evidence base. And if this weren't based on evidence, I wouldn't be here talking to you today or promoting nature. There are many, many studies, hundreds of studies that have been done now that show the benefits of being outside in nature, both physically and mentally. And I think the studies are getting better and better in terms of really showing how beneficial being outdoors is for everybody. And there are, I have a lot of, a lot of favorite studies. There's one study that, uh, or several studies that have been done in Japan with something called forest bathing or Shinrin Yoku. And I don't know if, if you've heard of that, but basically there are um, certified forest bathing sites in Japan. And there's, uh, there have been several studies that have been done that have shown um, when somebody enters right before they go into the park, um, they've had blood pressure taken, pulse taken, and a cortisol level. Cortisol is actually, they drew their blood and they looked at the levels of cortisol, which is a measure of stress in our body. They also looked at certain immune cells, cells of our immune system. And they took measure, all these measurements before an um, forest bathing session and then at the end. And they found that these people who had been through the session had significant decreases in their blood pressure, in their heart rate, um, and their cortisol levels decreased significantly, they, which shows these are all measures of stress. And they also showed that certain immune cells in the system, which fight off infection and can fight off cancer, were actually higher at the end of a session and remained higher for a certain period of time. So there's, you know, really, that's one, one piece of evidence that shows the benefits of being outdoors in nature. Well, that's so wonderful to hear the benefits in the Japan study. Dr. Schreier, can you tell us more benefits in being outdoor in studies in the U.S. or that took place or in other places? Sure. As I said, there are hundreds of studies that have shown the benefits of being outdoors in so many different ways. Um, there was a study that was done in New York, in rural New York, with a group of schoolgirls. And they took a look, the um, researchers took a look at the girls and how close they lived to green space, how stressful their life was, and how stressed or anxious or depressed they were. And they found that those girls who lived closest to green space, all, the, all of these families had a lot of stress um, within them. But those who lived closest to green space were the least anxious, the least depressed, and had a greater sense of well-being. And they found that those who had the most um, highest scores on a stress scale, life stressor scale, actually did the best when they lived closer to a green space. So we see that the, the 
individuals or girls who are near greenery and green space are overall have better mental health. And we also, there's a lot of research that's gone into school children um, and behavioral problems. And they find that when there are green schoolyards, when schoolyards have been transformed into more like a park or a nature area, there are far fewer behavioral problems among children. And when they get back, when they've been outside and they go back inside, their behavioral issues decrease and everyone else also does better in the classroom. Um, so it, you know, it translates into school and into if you live near a green space, um, mentally and behaviorally, you do better. There are also other physical benefits. And there's a study that was done in, I believe it was in New Zealand, that showed the risk of asthma among a large group of children of developing asthma was significantly decreased when they lived near um, green greenery. And it had to be actually different types of trees. It wasn't just one type, but you know, bushes and trees and different types of greenery that those who lived amongst multiple types of greenery had a decreased risk of developing asthma. So, and, and just one other, there's so many studies and I just find this, and this is why I'm so passionate about it because it's such an important topic, but um, ophthalmologists are very concerned about the lack of outdoors because they're finding that the risk of um, problems and actually developing blindness of myopia and, and developing severe eye issues is associated with decreased time outdoors. And so they're really advocating for children and adults to spend more time outside for eye health. Wow, that's pretty amazing that being outside has all these overall holistic effects on her body from biological, physical, emotional, and mental benefits. Um, could you elaborate on what exactly are the specific changes, like physical, emotional, mental changes in our body and mind when we do go outside? Because I would love to have my doctor prescribe parks as medicine <laughs> all the time. It's great to hear all the benefits that we see, like all the health benefits. Um, and we naturally feel better when we go outside. But I never really understood like what exactly is happening in my body like right, that makes right. me feel better. So in terms of the um, the mental health benefits, you know, there are studies that have been done on the prefrontal cortex and there are changes in the prefrontal cortex um, that have been associated with um, this being outdoors into nature. In terms of some of the other benefits, I think that's a big area of research right now. You know, why does it help? There are a lot of... Um, theories as to actual different, you know, when you look at the asthma studies um, and decreased risk of asthma, the fact that you need different trees and different bushes, you know, what is it, you know, are there certain chemicals that are actually um, the trees are producing that are beneficial for us? And um, that has been studied. I don't know the specific um, chemicals, but, you know, I think that's also an area of research. What is it about it and what are different chemicals releasing that is being beneficial to toward us? And is that also helping us in terms of our mental, you know, decreasing our anxiety and our depression? So these are all really big areas of research. This is really like kind of a, a new and really exploding field. And I think that a lot of these questions over the next several years will, you know, will have some answers, but there are a lot of studies going on right now that are looking into just what you've asked. 
Oh, that's great to hear because I mean, I think a lot of um, people, you know, think about, oh, I just want to go outside for a walk and just, you know, just that one, like a 10 minute walk makes such a difference throughout the day. And, you know, you mentioned that there was a study that looked at children and I was just thinking about playgrounds, like when I drive by schools and many playgrounds are removing green space. So they're making it more concrete, they're making it concrete um, just so that, you know, there could be potential in building more buildings. And so it just as a missed opportunity that schools can be investing in the mental capacity of their children by keeping the green space. So it's just something for me to think about. I was like, oh, I remember that one school that had a, had a courtyard that had a courtyard and it got removed. Now it's concrete and it's just a basketball court and kids are still running around, which is better than not than being inside. At least they're outdoor. But the benefits of actually having green space, like smelling the plants, having the plants maybe emit some chemical that, you know, inadvertently that it's making an impact in their lives. Another part that I was just wondering, because you were saying how the study in Japan and all these other places and the one in New York City where the children lived in a if they, when they lived next to a green space, it made a difference. I was wondering, could there be some epigenetic factors? Because maybe, you know, their parents and their grandparents, you know, lived in that space and they maybe walked, you know, during that walk, you know, took walks and that that helped release their stress. And maybe through epigenetic factors, which then gets passed down, maybe they had a less likelihood of developing stress. So I wonder if there's a hybrid approach too, that it's also environmental and genetics through epigenetics. Wait, what do you think? I think it's I think it's possible, but I think that um, you know when you take enough, you know, I think that's where the research is getting better. We're looking at larger samples, you know, and we're trying to um, have one variable. You know, I think epigenetics definitely plays a factor in all of this and where people live. Do they live closer to green space? But there are also other studies that will take. Um, that that will take children, let's say school, they're school children, and there's one group of school children who have access to a window to the outdoors, to nature. And then in the other room, there's a group of school children who either have their window is looking um, out on concrete or they don't have a window at all. And so that takes away the epigenetics when, when you do this aspect of the study. And they found that those school children who were able to look outside at nature did better on testing, um, actually did better in terms of um, rejuvenating and refreshing themselves. They did, um, there were fewer school absences and fewer behavioral problems as, a composed, as opposed to the other side who didn't have access to nature. So there are a lot of studies that, that show this. And then there's that famous study, which I think many people know, of people who are in a hospital and those who have a window that looks outside onto nature were, as opposed to those who didn't, actually were in the hospital and recuperated faster than those who didn't have access to nature. So there are a lot of studies that kind of take that out as a variable that are also showing the benefits of nature. Something as easy as putting a plant in a classroom or a plant in a house actually improves anxiety and stress. And so I think you can definitely, people who are appreciate nature are going to look for nature for themselves and their children. And so that's helpful. But there are also these other studies that show it's not just that. Oh, that's relieving to hear because 
then it takes out the genetics out of it or possibly out of it because that your genes don't determine your destination, that you there is free will and personal choice. And I would definitely request a window seat next time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, and, and I think that the way, you know, you bring up an interesting point in that, um, in, in that people who enjoy nature and people who are connected to nature are more likely when they have children in them, themselves, you know, themselves are more likely to get out and, and reap the benefits of being outdoors. And they also introduce it to their children. But then you have the other side of people who aren't aren't comfortable being in nature, don't know how to be in nature, um, and have really disconnected from it. And we need to reach those people. And so the people who are whose parents like nature have those benefits, and we need to help the other side also who don't have those parents who feel comfortable being outdoors. Oh, actually, that reminds me of my mother. She doesn't really like going outdoors because she's allergic to a lot of things. But we have tons of plants inside our house. Uh-huh. And I think that could be a gift we can give people. Like if we know that, oh, they don't like going outside, we should give them a house plant. And it's, That's perfect. That's you know? great. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm helping you live longer. <laughs> and um, you also mentioned, um, if, you, if it's okay if I, I go back, because it's really interesting, you mentioned the concrete playgrounds. And that's a huge movement now in the United States of actually um, landscape architects and school districts and and a lot of different organizations around the country are trying to make playgrounds more natural, get rid of the concrete um, playgrounds. And there are, because there are studies that show that having these natural playgrounds actually improves socialization and a sense of well-being. It improves academics in children. They actually do better just by having an outdoor natural playground academically and having an outdoor classroom, they do better. So there are many um, movements around the country to make playgrounds more naturally. And the Oakland Unified School District in California actually has promised to convert every playground in their school district to a natural playground and to increase outdoor time. And there are many communities around the country that are doing that. And there are also movements for preschools to be completely outdoors. There are, um, each year, there are more and more um, outdoor preschools that are being certified to be totally outdoors. Oh, I like that idea. So I guess that would be limited to geographic areas. I mean, here in Wisconsin, like half the year where they have snow. <laughs> I think they, <laughs> they actually have have... are out there also. Really? Very, yeah, very limited time oh. indoors. And they, if you okay. go online, you can see that the, you know, the families need to pack up their snow boots and their gloves. And you know, you see pictures of them doing snow angels and making igloos. And so it's around the country. Oh, well, that's good that there's no excuse (laughs) to not have um, green space in any school in the world. Oh, that's good to know. Just to elaborate on being outside, is there a right amount of park time to see the benefits? Like, for example, does a certain time of the day matter? Like, which is better, like a morning walk or evening stroll along the park? Or does it even matter? Or is it just being outside is enough? So there are some studies that looked into that. I don't know of any studies that looked at time of day. 
Um, they may be out there, but I'm not familiar with them. But I do know that there are um, studies that have looked at how much time do you need to be outdoors to reap the benefits. And the largest study, it was published last year, the first really large study was done in England and looked at the amount of time one needs to be outdoors to reap mental health benefits. And they found that if people were outside at least two hours a week, um, that they had a significantly greater um, sense of well-being and self-reporting of being in good health than those who spent less than two hours a week outside. From two hours up until about five hours a week, the benefits continued to improve. And after that, they leveled off. And the study also found that you could do it all at once, or you could do it a little bit each day. However, it didn't really matter how many times a week you did it, as long as you got a minimum of two hours. Um, and then, you know, five hours, as I said, is kind of where that levels off. So that was a big study that got a lot of attention, and I believe it was published um, last year. There's, there have been other studies, and there was one done in preschoolers in a Head Start program that looked at physically at their BMI, which is kind of a measure of their weight um, for their height, you know, are they overweight? It looked at their BMI, and it found that those children in this Head Start program who were outside at least 60 minutes a day, um, that was the tipping time for their BMI to be improved over the year. So if it's less than 60 minutes, they don't see a lot of improvement. But 60 minutes, they saw improvement in BMI for these children. So it's not like they have them outdoors running around, you know, doing jumping jacks. They, it's just merely having them outdoors. And by the mere fact of being outdoors, you're more likely to be physically active. So you may be sitting down and looking at a caterpillar for a few minutes, but then you're running around for a few minutes, you know, showing somebody else the caterpillar or looking, you know, um, playing in the water or doing something else. So 60 minutes is kind of the cutoff for that. And then the, the one other study that I just want to mention, because these all kind of look at different aspects of being outdoors, is um, their park prescriptions. There was a program done in Oakland, California, and where park prescriptions were given to families, moms and their kids, mostly moms. And they found that the more these moms went outside and filled their park prescriptions, the less stress they felt. So they also saw that even small amounts of being outdoors helps in terms of stress and anxiety. Wow, that's great to hear. Um, just being outdoor for a few minutes and every like a few minutes every day or either like either uh, a longer period of time on a weekend can have such a huge benefit in our physical and mental capacity like in our children and ourselves just by being with them um, so that's good to hear and and you mentioned that doctor prescribes parks um, for their patient so what are the symptoms for a doctor to prescribe parks as medicine or should we prescribe that for everybody so and I think it should be for everybody, <laughs> but, you know, we, we have to pick and choose. I think right now in, you know, with what's going on in our world, it's important for everybody with the pandemic to get outside if they can and they're able to, because we all need stress reduction right now. Um, but there are certain benefits 
um, that we see and, and people that we would um, automatically think about prescribing parks for are people with anxiety, depression, uh, obesity, um, diabetes, hypertension, children who spend a lot of time indoors on electronics who don't get out and who are very sedentary, and anyone who has a large family history of any of these conditions. So, and there's um, one, if you look, there's a Park RX America website and there's a great video on it. And there's a teenage girl on it in this video. And it talks about one park prescription that was written for her. Talked, and in the video, she talked about the fact that she was always coming in, she had bad headaches, she had chest pain, she didn't feel well. She had a lot of stress and anxiety in her family and in her life, but she didn't connect the two. But Dr. Czar, this is a um, prescription that Dr. Czar, who's the founder of Parker X America wrote, and he wrote a prescription for her. He talked to her about her anxiety and her chest pain and her headaches. And I believe she had gone even to the emergency room at least once or twice. And they decided for her, she needed a prescription to sit in a hammock for an hour a week without any electronics. So that's what she did, no electronics. She just looked at the clouds, looked at the sky, looked at the trees. It was in her uncle's backyard. They didn't have a hammock in their yard. And she talks about how over time her anxiety decreased, her irritability decreased. She wasn't getting chest pain and her headaches went away. And so this is the perfect prescription and, and when we would use a nature prescription for somebody. Oh, that's such a wonderful story to share. Also a reality check that in this generation, people are exposed to electronic at an early age. I mean, when I grew up, there was no cell phone, iPad. I mean, if you if we were lucky, you got a Nintendo, but you know, <laughs> but that was like really the old first version of a Nintendo. And we only got to play it when it was connected to the TV, but you didn't have access to electronic with you at all times and at any time of the day. Or do you see that there is an increase in anxiety and attention deficit disorder among children now because they have access to all these different outlets and they're reducing their time being outside. Do you think there is a link to that? Oh, I definitely think there's a link to that. The data that we see in terms of the amount of time that children spend outside every day in unstructured play, so not you know on these teams, soccer teams or basketball leagues, but just outside and enjoying um, the outdoors is about seven minutes a day. And the amount of time they spend on electronics is about between four and eight hours a day. So children are definitely losing their connectivity with the outdoors. And at the same time, we are seeing significantly increased rates of obesity, of um, anxiety, depression, suicide rates are still climbing in our adolescence and it's a second leading cause of death now. Um, attention deficit disorder, we're seeing at high, we have the highest rates of attention deficit disorder in this country, almost 10% of children have been diagnosed with it. Seen a lot of, lot of issues. We're seeing type two diabetes in children and when I was younger, when you talk about the pre-electronic phase and I was in training, we ne I never, a type two diabetes was called adult onset diabetes and I never saw it in a kid. And now we see it. 
So there are a lot of lot of changes going on where being outdoors in nature um, and disconnecting from those electronics would be helpful. Wow, that's pretty shocking to hear that. And I think it's just the reality of where we live today, which is great that we have an advancement of technology and electronics to help ease our work and our lives. But also that maybe it is important that doctors do prescribe parks as medicine. The reality is that I think patients take the doctor's word seriously, like, oh, you know, I should take this, prescribe this. And so maybe by having a doctor prescribe parks, people would take it more seriously because I mean, the park is outside, your backyard is outside, you can just step outside. But most of the people are just stepping outside for seven minutes and they spend like hours on the phone, hours at the computer, hours in front of the TV. It just seems a bit sad. Which actually brings me up to this next question. Even if we did have the choice to go outside right now, if you're listening to this episode, like most recently, President Trump has extended the stay at home guideline till the end of April 2020 in order to flatten the curve, because right now we're experiencing the coronavirus pandemic. So then how do we adapt to this prescription for nature when we can't even go outside for another month? And even if we want to, now those seven minutes seem so precious. How can adults, children, and the elderly adapt to these changes? Do you have any advice for us, Dr. Strider? Sure. So I think different communities around the country right now have different guidelines of what we can and can't do. From what I've seen, most communities still allow us to walk outside for exercise or to walk our dog. And I live in the suburbs, so I, you know, I, I benefit from having a lawn. Not everybody has a yard and a lawn where I can get outside. And I look out, I'm looking out my street, my window now to the street, and it's like rush hour. Everybody's walking. Everyone's walking around. I have never seen so many people outside. Um, And I read an article about how some of the national parks have needed to close because people aren't able to, it's been so crowded, they're not able to to keep that six foot social distancing. So I do think that people are getting outside more. And again, it depends on your state and your community, what you're allowed to do. I'd say if you're allowed to go outside um, with social distancing and following the, you know, the safe rules that have been applied by the government, get outdoors, Um, get outdoors and walk, get outdoors with your, your children. If you have a yard, get outside. Um, I also heard that a lot of dogs are being adopted and are being fostered right now. And so that's another thing. If anyone has an inkling to get a dog, it's a great time to get it. But let's say you live in a community that you, or a place where you can't go outdoors or you're not allowed to go outside, or you're self-quarantining, so you can't go outside. There are things you can do. If you have windows and you have um, glass doors, keep keep the shades open so you can see outside. Um, if it's warm enough, open actually open your windows. You're, you can hear the birds. You can hear the trees rustling. Spend time just looking outside. You can find a specific time every day where you sit by your window and see how many birds you can find or, you know, other, if you can see spiders or something else crawling around outdoors, you can have books like um, bird books, either online, or if you happen to have any at home or have any binoculars, you can look at different times of the day or the same time um, every day outside uh, to what things you see that are different than what you saw before. As we talked about 
earlier, bringing plants inside is really important. Um, if you have the ability to bring a plant um, inside from outside, do that. You can print out photos of beautiful scenes and put them around your house. Um, if you have kids and you're looking for something to do with them, make a, have them um, cut out, like make a, a room into a jungle, you know, cut out leaves and flowers and color them and, and tape them up in a room all around the window so it looks like a jungle. Um, you can exercise. There, there are studies that show exercising outside, if you do the same exercise outside as you do inside, exercising outside into nature, you have a better sense of well-being and you're more likely to do it again, to do that exercise again. So if you want to exercise, do it facing the window. That'll make it more enjoyable for you, whether it's jumping jacks or you have an exercise bike or a jump rope, do it where you're looking outside. Um, there are other also um, apps. So if you still want to be connected to your um, phone, there are a lot of really good apps um, that you can use to, if you're able to go outside outdoors, you can actually um, click on a leaf. You're not sure what that leaf is and, and identify the leaf. You can, so that's one thing you can do. You can have nature sounds inside. So there are apps that give you actually set different sounds of nature that are indoors. There, there are tons, if you go online and um, tons of apps that you can download for free that help you recognize different birds or talk about birds or bring you elsewhere in the world so you can see different scenes of outdoors um, you know, that are in different countries and different areas around the world. So those are just a, a few things that you can do. Wow, thank you so much, Dr. Schreier, for those tips and ways to get benefits being in nature while you're staying indoor. And I was just thinking that's a great idea to build one of your rooms into a jungle or your own garden and make being indoor a playtime. You know, even though you can have playtime outside, like with the kids, try to be creative in recreating that space within. Well, it's you know, funny because you say that because when I, I give talks, one of the things that um, Parker X America what we do is we go around educating people about the benefits of nature. And so I have a picture um, of a really beautiful spot in nature and I put it up on my, on the screen and ask people for the first word or thought that comes into their mind. And it takes less than a second for people to say, you know, serene, beauty, relaxation. I mean, the words it just come immediately. So just having pictures up, of the outdoors and nature is beneficial. Yeah, and actually, when we were talking about photos, it just remind. It, I just had a flashback right now when I was teaching undergraduate and on campus. So I mean, right now I teach um, on online a lot, but when I was teaching on campus and it was to undergraduate, when they had their final exam and students are like super stressed out and have high anxiety, what I would do is I pull down the projector and I would have a slide of just an ocean of nature and just have it be there. And so that instead of them, when they look up to look at the clock, I don't want them to be looking at the clock and saying, oh my God, this time's left. But when they look at the clock, they also see the photo of nature. And I, that was just my signature thing that I did for when I was teaching undergraduate, but because I felt that it was soothing, but it's great to hear that there's actually research that supports this prescription. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Shah, for sharing all these helpful tips about how, why it's important to be outside and ways that we could benefit being in nature while staying indoor. What about people who maybe have some special needs or disability and can't go outside? Like what are things that they can do? I think that some of the things that they can do are similar uh, to what I mentioned before, which is 
just having plants inside, having these apps, if they're able to use the apps, um, having binoculars, if they're able to get to a window and they have access to binoculars, you know, looking around outside what's going on outdoors, they can, they can have a garden too, you know, um, in the time of pandemic, if there's somebody who can help them, the elderly or people who are disabled to grow a garden inside, that would be great. If you can have access to online ordering, order seeds and order um, soil, you know, you, you can use anything as simple as a plastic cup inside and just start growing your own garden inside. So that's something that, that they can do. There's also TV if they, and it depends on how limited they are, but there are a lot of shows on TV now, you know, there are nature shows, there are new shows on YouTube popping up um, for people where virtually they can get elsewhere uh, in the world and look at scenes of nature and, and look at things outdoors. So I think that they, they may um, have this ability to, if they can't get outside, to bring some of it back inside for them. Oh, well, those are really helpful tips. Thank you. So Dr. Stryer, I can hear the passion in your voice when you're talking about Parks RX America and prescribing park for general well-being and health for people. Can you share more about your career transition from being a pediatrician to working for Parks RX America? And what is your role there? Sure. Um, so I was a pediatrician for many years. I started actually in the Indian Health Service and did a lot of health promotion programs. So I've always been very interested in public health. And um, then I, I did clinical pediatrics for many years. And then I switched over working to working for the federal government where I do public health work there. I always had an interest, I've always loved the outdoors. And about 10 years ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer now at a American Academy of Pediatrics conference, I heard Richard Lube speak. He's a journalist and an author. And he, uh, he talked about his book, Last Child in the Woods, which is, he was the keynote speaker. And it's a book that talks about the fact that children are disconnected from nature. And he named this issue um, nature deficit disorder. And it became a movement. And that's really the movement that has started throughout the world of trying to re-expose um, individuals into nature. So when I heard that, I decided one day when I had time and my kids had left for college, I would work with nature and getting people out into nature. And that coupled with the fact that the research really started showing the benefits and there's evidence that nature helps everybody. I, I started looking for places I could insert myself. I started working in the school system um, and I work with counselors and work with schools on trying to get kids outdoors more and trying to um, really naturalize our playgrounds. And then I ran into this Park RX America and I hooked up with Dr. Czar and started working with them. And so I work with him now. Um, it's a nonprofit organization, as I said. So I volunteer. I cut down my hours in the government and I volunteer with this organization. I basically will go around the, the country educating people on the benefits of nature. I teach providers I, um, how to write park prescriptions and, and the benefits. And then I work with um, the others at Park RX America on how to, it, how, to how to get more people to register and how to get people to prescribe and make it second nature. Physicians are really busy and it's very hard to add something new onto our plates. 
And so we're trying to find a way to really demonstrate and show providers how important it is and how beneficial they really will reap the benefits of prescribing natures and getting um, their patients to go outside. So that's what we're working on. Oh, that's such a noble cause. And I agree. And uh, a shout out for public health that there are non-pharmaceutical way in improving population health and well-being and that parks are, has always been around, right? Mother nature has always been around. I guess the fundamental solution to many, many of the problems that we have here. I think like you mentioned about mental health, anxiety, depression, and even diabetes and heart disease and asthma, which you have mentioned that, you know, these are diseases that can be prevented and that maybe we should go back to the origin of health, which is being outside and let nature heal our bodies. How can healthcare providers get involved and learn more about Parks Rx America? They can go, um, any healthcare provider, and you don't necessarily need to be a doctor. <laughs> um, so doctors, physical therapists, psychologists, educators, you name it. Anybody involved in health can sign up and register to write park prescriptions. We also, as I said, have started working in the school system. So counselors or PE teachers, anybody who deals with people and their health can register to write park prescriptions. So the website is parkrxamerica.org and it'll walk you through how to register and there are videos on how to write the park on how to write prescriptions and it doesn't necessarily have to be for a park in our database in our database there actually you can write your own custom prescription and there's the ability and we show you how to do that on the website. So that being said, so I encourage everybody and anybody to sign up to do that. If you have any questions or, or want to talk to us personally, that's why we're here. We're all very passionate about this program and, and getting people registered. So we're happy to do CMEs. If, you're, if your practice or your group wants to learn about the benefits of nature, wants to learn how to register, it can be a 10-minute talk or it can be a whole hour. That's what we're doing. So we just want we want to improve the health of society. That's our goal. Oh, well, that's great to hear that anyone could get involved and that we can all write these prescriptions. Can you go over like how that is done? Like, is it similar to when a doctor sends in a prescription to the pharmacy? Do they send in this written prescription to the family and then they connect with the parks? Or is it just like a, a notepad or is it electronic? Can you elaborate on sure. that? Sure. So... You can do it one of three. It is electronic and it's actually, so this was basically at this point um, when you go online written for some sort of provider or health educator. We have other ways for the schools and that's something you know that we're developing at this point. But in terms of the, I'll talk about just the providers and educators right now. It's a very easy, if you go to the Parker X America website, you, it's a very easy electronic system that takes you through prescribing. And so it's very specific. If let's say somebody that I talked earlier about um, the teenager who was anxious and we wanted her to go um, sit in a hammock an hour a week, we would talk with her. We wouldn't tell her what we want her to do, but we work with her and we do counseling. Say, let's talk about your anxiety. You know, Maybe we can go bring you outdoors to help you. What are some things you like to do outdoors? And we work with them to see what they like to do and what they can do. So she said, well, my uncle has a hammock and I really like it. I'm like, okay, that's great. 
how much time can you spend in the hammock? And she's like, oh, you know, 50 minutes. Like, how about an hour? It's close to an hour. Can you spend an hour? Sure. How many hours a day? So you're you're talking with them and with them coming up with a prescription. So it turns out to be a hammock, Wednesday and Friday, 60 minutes from 4 to 5 p.m. So the fact that it's very specific um, makes it much more, makes it more likely they're actually going to follow through with this prescription. And because they're working with us, it makes them a little bit more accountable because they're giving us the information. So we make this prescription. And then what we do is we can send it to them by text, by, um, by email, or if they don't have electronic device, we can print it out for them. The best way it's really, it's really neat is to do it by text. And so we send it to them by text and they'll get a text that says, oh, you know, you have a park prescription, check here. And so it opens up their prescription. It tells them what the prescription is. If it's at a park um, that's on our database, it'll give them a picture of the park and all the information of, the par- of where the park is, maybe how to get there. When they fill the prescription, there's a little button that says, I filled the prescription, and they check on it. And then the person who prescribed it will then be able to look at their information and see how many times they filled the prescription. They also will get reminders. So it's like, how often do you want to be reminded to fill? It's a great data. It's a great system. It's pretty amazing. Um, How often do you want to be reminded to do, you know, to fill your prescription? And it gives them various options. And then it tells them when to come back. And so for the provider, um, what they can then do, there's one button where they copy and paste it into the electronic medical record. So if you have obesity or anxiety or whatever it is that you're prescribing nature for, you just copy and then paste in like two clicks and it's there. So when when they're seen the next time, they know um, what prescription was written for them. That's a very systematic way of keeping the patient accountable through these text messages and also for the provider to know, like, fill the prescription. Because I was just thinking when you go to the pharmacy, you pick it up so the doctor knows where you, whether you picked up the prescription or not. And then you can tell, like, how many pills you're taking. But here you have, a, there's a way for the person also um, keeping themselves accountable to how often they're taking this prescription. So, oh, that's great. What about for non-medical providers? Can you elaborate on that? Like, let's say a parent or a school teacher would like to prescribe this and they don't have access to the medical records. How would they be able to keep track and keep it accountable? So usually, I mean, this isn't really a system for parents. Parents can definitely use the website to go outdoors and talk to other people about it, but it's really not for um, necessarily for just, you know, all the parents to, pers- to go and write a prescription. Um, but for school educators, we, they can also go and um, use the prescription in the same way they can sign up, just like a provider would. We also have in this, we worked with school systems and we have developed these cards that basically um, the child or the adult, whoever in the school system has these cards, you know, it says, I've been prescribed a park today, or I've been prescribed nature. And then they hand it to the physician the next time they go into the visit. So the physician can then enter it into the database. If they don't know about it, they can learn about it. And then they can follow these kids along because I'm not sure we can expect the school system to actually take over you know, the health and well-being, they can definitely introduce the prescriptions. But I think at some point, it's nice to have to work in tandem with a provider 
to look at, you know, their weight and, and their anxiety, their, you know, maybe high blood pressure, but look at all these different parameters and make sure they're being improved. And if not to tweak it. Well, I'm glad that there's, it's a collaborative approach so that school teachers, parents, and the providers are working together to prescribe parks as medicine. So that's, that's good to hear. So as we are coming to the end of our interview, do you have one golden nugget of advice for our listeners, Dr. Strider? My golden nugget is to get outdoors, <laughs> turn off the electronics a little bit. I'm not saying totally, but turn off the electronics and get outdoors and it'll benefit absolutely everybody. Oh, I like that message. And, and what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you and to learn more about your organization? I think that you can do one of two things. You can go to the parkrxamerica.org website there's a lot of information there and contact information there. And as I said, um, I am happy to answer questions. So if you want to email me directly, that's fine. And it's Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at parkerxamerica.org. So if you need help registering, if you want somebody to come talk in your community, um, we can work that out. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Strider. I really appreciate this. And I think we should all prescribe ourselves some part-time and as me time. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, talking about this today. If you got questions about any of the episodes, feel free to reach out to me directly. And while you're there at it, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episode that you felt connected with so we could be a part of this collective invisible force called public health. Thanks.